millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, welcome to Going Off Track. I'm Jonah. I'm Brad. I'm Mike. Mike and Jimmy! Oh my Mike god, it's been forever. Suit. When's the last time you were here? Jesus. Our last live podcast. Uh, you do, Yeah, Mike's been on the live podcast, and, but yeah. when's the last time you were in the studio oh my in god. Rubber Tracks? It was a while ago. Like years, probably. It's been a while. Yeah, I can't really remember. Also, but I can't remember, like yesterday or the day before right, right. so things have settled down in the middle east right mike yeah. won't admit it but he's works for the cia yes it's true we've known this it's for a long true. time yeah it's true i mean i'm not supposed to talk about it but see he's looking he's it, looking at me now really. it gets me pretty he's it's pissed that i did this it's cool dude Don't i mean fuck it's, with my taxes <laughs> <laughs> we are also joined by tony tony how's it going tony works at rubber tracks he's a awesome tony's the assistant engineer awesome guitar player Plays in a couple cool bands. A Ferret. Lot of cool bands. Ferret, yeah, with two T's. Ferret with two T's. And what else? I uh, play in a black metal band called Herson. Herson. Another black metal band called Bell Tower. And I dabble around a few other things, but uh, yeah. Ferret is what you really want to check out. Ferret's what you want to check out. Um, so Tony is here <sighs> because today in the podcast we had 6 a.m., which is uh, Nikki Six, James Michael, and DJ Ashba. Nikki Six, obviously, bass player Motley Crue. DJ Ashbo was in Guns N' Roses. And Tony obviously used to be in Motley Crue. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, yeah. Go way back. So, uh, this was kind of a different podcast for us, I feel like. Well, there was a lot of people in the room. Yeah, there was a lot of people. I didn't have a microphone. Mike didn't have a mic. Yeah, Mike got got unmiked because whatever. We weren't prepared. We weren't prepared. But the numbers. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, I feel like normally, yeah, there's like two people. And like normally, I'm like begging people to do this with me. And like this time, it's like. It was an uh, an overload. Yeah. I feel like I'm loud enough, though. I'm yeah. kind of loud. And, yeah, yeah. yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they have a new record coming out in April um, that is called Prayers for the Damned, April 29th. And, uh, yeah, we talked about the band. We talked a little about... Um, snack foods. Snacks. Peaches <laughs> in your poo? Yeah. Yeah, it, it quickly, yeah, it quickly turned. We talked about some... It was goofy, but we talked about some serious stuff, too. We talked about the attacks in France and how they sort of dealt with that and um, wah, wah, sort of, uh, you know, I think they're all pretty sober now. Writing so. and writing music, which was great, like, you know, their approach to songwriting. Yeah, so I don't know why I'm just recapping what I don't you're know, about let's to talk, listen let's talk to. to. Let's talk to Tony. Yeah, here. let's talk to Tony. Tony, you're, you'll listen to 6am for a while. Let's talk when's, to Tony. Uh, when's the next Ferret show? We actually just played our, our last show uh, two weeks ago. But the next show is going to be in June when we release our album. Dude, watch for it. Ferret. Watch for it. What's the name of the album? In Through the Outdoor. Dude, we nice. all know about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how much shredding is on it? Um, there's a fair amount of shredding. Yeah. You know, I, fair I, amount. I dabble in and out, you know? Yeah. Who are some of your favorite guitar players? Oh, my favorite guitar players. Wow, that's a... It's a tough question. I mean, you don't have to say, like... I mean, I don't want to list myself as number one. (laughs) You can list me and Mike, because, you know, we we shred. Everybody in this room, pretty much. It is true. We're your top three? Uh, Top four. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. My top guitar players are, like, more noodly guys. You like uh, like, Joe Satriani? (laughs) I like, like, Jay Maskis. I love Maskis. I think he's incredible. uh, Doug Marsh. 
Andy Cohen from Silkworm, the kind of guys that do this weird. Yeah, Mascus is definitely a, one of the most unique guitar players. Yeah. I think he's amazing. Um, Mike, what the fuck have you been up to? Uh, just working, just making lots of bad reality television. <laughs> yeah, Mike's um, working reality TV. I've been doing I've been doing some stuff for MTV, which has actually been really fun. It's I I just like that whole gang over there, so it's it's actually been a really good, really good thing. Uh, they put me in charge of uh, doing the reunions for for uh, a show called The Challenge, which is awesome. Yeah, where's it shoot? It, right in Times Square, right? Oh, in the, really? Uh, yeah. In well, were you traveling also. for something though? At one point, uh, probably at some point. Yeah, I was doing know. the Moonshiners thing for a while. Right. I did that. That was fun. How's your band? Oh my god, the How's clams. The They're good. We're gonna <laughs> oh, be. We're man. gonna be back. We're gonna. We're gonna. We just. Uh, you know. Again, we we want to finish doing that country record that we started doing here right we, we want to sort of like take it uh to the next level you know it's it's is it going to be like the guns and roses album is it going to take it's going to be a, it's, yeah we're actually calling it chinese democracy <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be and it's all yeah it's just going to be because you guys you know you recorded here like it uh, is going like to be country two or three years it's going to be country <laughs> versions of all of the chinese Dude, democracy tunes you know what's yeah. so weird about chinese democracy i totally <laughs> forgot about this no, they, nothing's weird about it. They it's were weird. selling it after it had been out for a while. They were selling it at Best Buy new for like ninety nine cents. Yeah, and you can like reserve stuff online. So I bought it for ninety nine cents and went to the Best Buy at Union Square and picked it up. And I had like, and then I put it on. And I was like, why did I buy this? <laughs> like it was so cheap. That I was like, I have to buy it. And then I was like listening to it, and I was like. It's, I just, I don't know. It's so weird. I like went online. I like did all this work. I like I, went, made a special trip out there. I actually still haven't really listened to the whole oh, record. Oh, you I can borrow it on vinyl yeah, if you yeah, want. Yeah, thanks, dude. I, I bought it the day of. Yeah. And you know how usually when something comes out, like that's a big thing, like the new iPhone, you expect like a line out the door. Right. <laughs> so I got there like a half hour before Best Buy opened. <laughs> and there were like two other dudes there <laughs> waiting for the store to open. And I'm like, oh, well. You know. You're like, I guess we're best friends now. Yeah. I actually bought three copies of the album that day. <laughs> what and do you think of the album? I like it. There's yeah. certain songs in there that are pretty, I like pretty it. terrible. To be honest, I uh, like the song Chinese Democracy. I don't want to yeah. like it. And then I think Robin Fink played on that. I'm pretty sure. And Buckethead, right? Yeah. They all played on that. Buckethead played on it. He's on a bunch of it, yeah. There's like 14 guitar players on that track alone, mm. I think. But, the, yeah. the weirdest thing to me is the fucking... Um, the... The lead what? singer? No, no, the <laughs> um, drunk one. The dude from the replacements, <coughs> Tommy Stinson. Yeah, that is the weirdest. <sighs> yeah, it's a weird matchup. Yeah, it yeah. Is- I had a ton of Axel questions, but I was not. I just figured it wasn't the right time to bring these up mm. at this. Uh, you know, in, yeah. on this podcast, DJ but, just got fired. Yeah, yeah. That I was going to say it wouldn't have been a good. Uh, wouldn't have been a good time. <laughs> also, back. by the way, I w- but I would have loved to hear like how fucking crazy stuff yeah. got. You know. Yeah probably has a contract that he can't talk about it knowing mm. axel yeah yeah probably i actually have a contract too so i can't even talk about this i can't <laughs> even talk about not talking about it you know in typical uh when when in typical fuse fashion when we uh we were doing um what's it called i think it was Lollapalooza, and we got nine inch nails and steven and i were like oh my god nine inch nails and they're like yeah but you got nine inch nails without trent reznor <laughs> and then i was like what is um, that? <laughs> Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. And they were like, but no, and it was actually really cool. They were like, you're getting Robin Fink and Josh Freeze, who I was oh, like, okay, sweet. Yeah. All right, that's awesome. And Robin that's Fink, not Nine Inch Nails. That's not yeah. Nine Inch Nails. It's yeah. cool. It's two cool dudes yeah. Yeah, yeah, that play with a lot of cool bands yeah. or whatever. Right. And he's, so, and Robin yeah, I Fink. Even build, I mean, if I was doing a podcast, I wouldn't even call it Nine Inch Nails. No, I'd call no it. just two cool yeah. dudes. Yeah, like, you know, and Josh Freeze is amazing. I mean, he's yeah. played, they both played on a ton of records, and they were awesome dudes, but. As soon as, like, and I guess that was a time where Fink was playing for Guns N' Roses, and he came over before the interview started. He was just like, zero guns questions, please. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you got it, bud. No worries. No worries. And then we ended up doing what I did today a little bit as derailing into snack foods, because that's what they ended up talking about. It was hilarious, actually. It was, yeah. They were both really funny. If you guys are into snacks, by the way, uh, my friends do a podcast called Kissing Contest, and they have a segment every episode called Snacks Chat. They love, review new snacks. Really? I yeah. love snacks. Yeah. Did I That's ever tell awesome. you about my, my book? My book that I did? I started on tour. I was oh. going to do a book of chip, potato chips. What? I had this, like, back in the, back in the 90s. Uh. <laughs> 
I was fascinated with regional potato chip brands. Like, you know, you'd go to like I'd go to like Portland, Maine and they'd have these Humpty Dumpty chips with like really cheesy graphics and like and they would always have like weird flavors. Like you know, they have ketchup, which like you've had ketchup chips before, but you know, like that seemed to be one of their bigger brand, you know, flavors was ke- and so it was kind of this regional thing with the flavors, but also I was just like really into the the packaging. A lot of times the packaging would be really cheesy. So I started collecting every time we go to a new city i would go out and find like the regional potato chip and i would do i would review it i would eat the chips review them and then also write about the show that night and then i would save the bag and i was gonna do like a coffee table book dude that's a great idea you should do that <laughs> i just but the funny thing is i thought i think i told joan about this recently because i found i found i recently was going through my storage and found this folder Full of like fucking greasy potato chip bags. <laughs> they were literally twenty years old, dude. That's kind of awesome, though. I would love to see like old pit, the graphics of Humpty Dumpty chips and yeah. shit like that. That's actually a really funny idea. Thank you. That's really your cool. wife didn't make you throw them away. <laughs> yeah, now they're gone. No, this is like my art. Like Brad, those are old potato chip bags. Like, we live in New York City. It's, yeah, you're not. They're just so greasy and like full of chemicals that the roaches don't even go for them. It's oh weird God. too. Like I, yeah, I was g- going through my parents' stuff and I found some baseball card packs with like the gum in it from oh, like 1987 is it hard as rock yeah <laughs> it just like disintegrates almost yeah now, but yeah. i was like i was like i wonder if i would get sick if i ate this or if i think no i think it just would just gum, like disintegrate yeah yeah there's like nothing in yeah. it yeah i found yeah. my old garbage pail kids remember those i oh, had those course, man. <laughs> yeah i found them at my parents house i wonder if they're worth stuff i actually had these a box of these like rock cards that I'm sure there actually probably was a Nikki Six card. Probably, it was, like, yeah. The They're like baseball cards. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they would have and they like give the you stats, stats on the back. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah, yeah. And I had like a whole like thirty that. packs of them. That's amazing. I also had the WWF cards. Oh, uh, of course. Yeah, like yeah. like the uh, each wrestler with like then they had their stats on the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found yeah. like a George the Animal steel. Remember that dude? He used to eat yeah, the turnbuckles. Turn yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> that guy was awesome. He was not in shape. A lot of wrestlers were not. They did not Jeez, have to be I in shape. I don't know why, because there's so much athleticism to it. Don't get yeah. it started. Um, <laughs> it's because he ate too many turnbuckles. That'll happen. Uh, I was thinking of trying to segue from eating turnbuckles to eating riffs. Uh, yeah, so Some tasty tunes. Anyways. We'll just, uh, we'll just flow into this podcast. Yeah, let's just ease into um, 6 a.m. You guys just go around and say your names like one at a time so that people can identify your voices. Yeah, this is DJ Ashba. <clears throat> and DJ's the guitar player. I'm James Michael. I'm the singer. I'm Nikki Six. I'm the bass player. God. Nice. I was sort of curious. I mean, obviously, you guys have all played music for a long time. I mean, what's it like sort of playing live now as far as like people holding their phones up, kind of being in the moment. Is that something you guys think about? Because I feel like we talk about that a lot with bands here. I, I feel that a few years ago, it was a you know major source of frustration for musicians. And I think a confusing moment for fans because they were like, oh, this is amazing. I got this technology in my hands and, and we're in a share society. And it's like, I want to share it with my Uncle Bill. I want to share it with my girlfriend. You know, she let me go to this concert tonight with my best friend and bands were getting cranky about it and being like, man, I was like, why don't you live in the moment? And there was that moment. and I, I know I felt it. Uh, one time I was playing a show and there was this like, you know, 40 foot video screen next to me. And I saw this this fan. I could tell they were a super fan. I went over and I got like right down to them, and I was having a good time. They and they were filming the screen next to me, and not me. And I thought <laughs> so. Afterwards, I was like, I had to go back to my mic to sing a background part. And I go, you just missed. You're a fan. You just missed this moment. And and then I just became at one with it. And I realized, you know what? Everyone's like in this experience to have a good time right. and just like roll with the changes, man. And uh, I get it. I get it'll it. It'll probably blow over. I think it's just one of those things. It'll that... never blow over. <laughs> oh, until we get implants and then everybody will be recording all the time. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, but I, I think this whole share mentality is here to stay. And, you yeah. know, I mean, we just, we have to embrace it. And I think that... Um, 
you, you, there's, of course, there's negatives to everything, but man, there's so many exciting opportunities because of that very thing, you know, and, and we're all taking advantage of it on a daily basis. Right. No, it's true. Yeah. I just think we're trying to figure out the etiquette of it. I feel like when something's new, no one really knows how to, what's yeah, right, yeah. what's wrong. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of saying it. We're all trying to figure out the etiquette of it. That's really true. I think that everyone's in it, the music, and the concert. We're talking concerts mostly, right? Right. right. For the same reason. Like, we wrote these songs. We're, like, playing them for you. We're passionate. You you, uh, heard the songs. You're going to the show. You're passionate. Like, it's a really great communal positive experience. Let's try not to take that out of it. Right. I mean, is it different, though? Because like, back in the day, I feel like you could just like play a new song, whatever, try it out, see how it goes. Now I feel like it's like... Now it ends up all over the up, internet. And you want people yeah. to hear the finished product. That's the hardest part is, yeah. you, know, the, the, you know, it's really you're out there and every little mistake is, is definitely right. out there. Yeah. So it adds a, a bit of a pressure on, on things. There's no editing. You right. know? It's all out there. So. Yeah. I remember I was, I was playing in Miami and um, the whole... like. 10 rows in the front were all taking pictures of themselves not even of the band right and i, I was i have a tendency to be a bit mouthy and i, I uh, had an opportunity to talk to the crowd so i asked them first of all if they were on bath salts because uh, we were in florida it <laughs> didn't work out great but i was like why why are you guys taking pictures of yourself like at least take pictures of the band that's the next layer is everyone's going look where i am look where i am and so i just like remember after that i got like so much blowback from fans they're like man you're such a jackass i was like (laughs) you know it kind of was a jackass and i've just let go right and i I think you know to dj's point about how now every every single mistake you make is just immediately up there you can get off stage go on youtube and 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 basically see how bad your mistake was right but uh, as as long as that doesn't cause you to start self-censoring yes you know because the whole the whole idea of a live performance is the mistakes it's the passion of it it's not the perfection of it and and i i I worry that we all will get a little too self-conscious stepping onto stage because we're aware of that so i still think it's I i think it's important for you to just kind of when you get up there on stage just just Put that aside as best you can, and, and and not let that start censoring how you how you behave. You on know, stage. we were talking with a friend the other day about bootlegs, right. and about how, uh, vinyl, and yeah. how much uh, we'd loved going to stores. There was one in Seattle called Cellophane Records, and I'd be going David Bowie, you know, Ziggy Stardust in like <clears throat> London. I was like, that's so far as a teenager from where I was in Seattle, you right. know. And uh, we talked about hearing these bootlegs where, like, the band would, like, totally tank a song. Right. Or the singer would be flat but or that's sharp. that's what made it so cool. It Absolutely. made it cool, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, like, if that's true, that's kind of part of the experience. It's, a, it's yeah. not perfect. You know what? I, I've played all over the world and hit a lot of good notes and bad notes. And, uh, you know, at first... Be the perfectionist in me is like, uh, you know, but after a while, you just kind of roll with it. You're like, you know what? This is the experience part right. of, you know, and you kind of take the good notes with the bad notes. And that's what makes it a, a real, if they wanted a it real perfect, experience. go listen to the album. Yeah, you know what I mean? True. And that's what I think is missing in rock and roll is some of those where it's just like, you know what? Let's, let's veer off and do a 20 minute jam in the middle of the song. And right. who cares if we hit some wrong notes? At least everybody's here to have a good time. Oh, fans will love it, man. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I, I always felt like one thing about live recordings and live, you're getting so much more stimulus yeah. that it doesn't matter if it doesn't sound like the record because the experience is bigger than the record. Exactly. You know what I mean? They're, like the they're mix not paying. isn't the same. They're, but yeah, they're they paying for an experience. Yeah. Not, not, yeah. So that's, I, I dig it. I was going to say Mike came in. Mike's late and missed his mic, so he's going to no, no, yell. No. <laughs> yeah, we have no mic. You can share. I'll just hang back. If you have you can share you my say, mic. You, just you have a way me. cooler voice than me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll chime in once in a while. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Um, Thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, oh, thanks God. for having us. I'd like to have you guys here. I can't believe this is awesome. Thanks. So, when how did you guys sort of start playing together? Is this something you'd wanted to do for a long time, or did you just sort of come together? Well, uh, 6AM formed uh, 
back in 2000, I guess 2007 is when we put the Heroin Diaries soundtrack out, which was our first record. And at the time, it was a project. We were not a band. We didn't have a band name. It was just the three of us who had known each other in the music industry, had all worked together in other, you know, on other projects. Um, but we kind of created this this little safe haven where the three of us could come together and create music that maybe pushed the boundaries a little bit and, you know, experimented more and, and was not confined by the restrictions that we all experienced. It was our escape it was. from everything else we were doing. Yeah, so so okay. we ended up, through a, a series of circumstances, getting uh, having a song called Life is Beautiful, which ended up climbing the charts and ultimately ended up being a hit song for us. And that kind of made us all start thinking, well, we're going to have to look at this a little bit more as a band. So we came up with a band name and... Eventually, we got an opportunity to go out and do about 40 shows here in the States on a, on a festival tour. And so we kind of slowly evolved into being a band. And it really wasn't until probably our second record, This Is Gonna Hurt, where we actually had to admit to each other that we were a band. But what, what we noticed on that the um, 43 Day tour was um, there was like eight to 10,000 people there, and they were singing every song on the record. So even though we had a hit, the the 6 a.m. Uh, album was a listening experience, yeah. which we all grew up with yeah. and loved, and 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 that that was also an accident. I mean, we made a record to be kind of a soundtrack to a book, and that was easy for us, but we didn't realize that that was going to become a very important part of who we are is making full-length albums whichever way you get it we find most of our fans don't necessarily just cherry pick the singles they listen to the whole album and, and it's that, crazy. That's exciting for us as songwriters yeah no it's a whole different experience it's crazy because if we we were to set out to be a band that album wouldn't have sounded no, anything we would like have blown that. it we would have said right. let's write a single we would have actually blown it yeah, yeah we would have blown it we're like we've been saying we're a band in reverse yeah. right you know we now are you know all free of all commitments and we're just we're going for it you know first album comes out april 29th um the the second album in this series is volume one and volume two comes out sometime september and uh we've got all american shows coming up in april may, april, may uh in america then we're doing uh same thing in europe and then the second record single will come out and the second record will come out and then we're doing an arena tour in the fall in america and then an arena tour in europe We'll probably even find some time to get to Japan in there. So we got a, a lot of uh, yeah, I'm we got a lot of road to, to cover. <laughs> so am I. Is that seriously what we're doing? Huh? Is that seriously what we're doing? I'm already tired. No, I'm it, not it, was, tired it was very <laughs> important for us to to uh, to make a double record and, and put a double record out. We're not releasing them at the same time as Nikki just said, but right. it was important to us that we got a lot of new material out to people because we knew that this is really the first time that we're it's definitely the first time we're touring in europe right um but uh we're going out and we're playing for a lot of people that we know probably may have heard of us may have heard a couple of our songs but aren't familiar with our entire body of work so we saw this as an opportunity to really think of ourselves as a brand new band and roll up our sleeves and get out there and play for as many people as we can and introduce our music to as many people as we can then we hope that they will you know go back and discover the Heroin Diaries soundtrack, and this is going to hurt. And Modern Vintage, which, which was our third studio album, um, so it, it's it was a it, we're we're on a mission right now, and we know that we've got you know we've got an uphill climb, um, but that's what we're so excited about is just rolling up our sleeves and doing it. We are committed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do you feel like um, I was talking to your publicist? Like, it seems like you guys are really into like kind of health, fitness, like staying healthy. I mean, is that something that? you think helps with the live shows or is that something that happened gradually or how did that you guys it get was until that? i saw the menu at the hotel and then <laughs> i kind of blew that <laughs> i mean i i look back on my life and i was like so productive that's sarcasm because i was able to make a album and do a tour mm-hmm. and that's just that's un- being an underachiever you know there's so much more you can do Creatively, yeah. and if you keep your head together and keep your body and your life together, you can produce so much music. You can. We all have outside stuff that we do, you know, um, and so we're we're very uh, active all the time in our life and in in six a.m. and and uh, extensions of that. 
And I think if we were all like just banged up all the time and tired, beat up and drunk and hung over, it's just a different just a different time. It's not a good look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was it was a good look. <laughs> it doesn't look so good uh as you've been around for a while. Well, you guys are you know, you've got opportunities and you'd be foolish not to Take advantage Absolutely. of it, right? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, honestly, when you're when you're effed up all the time, you don't even I, you don't even recognize you those opportunities. You just, and you just cast. Well, you just you just pass right over them, you know. And and yeah. I think that to be alert and aware and healthy and and have your mind being healthy is is it's really for us. It's really the only way uh, to do stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 an alcoholic, but what's worse, alcoholic behavior. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's the behavior that falls off. So, like, for example, you know, for years I've been around this stuff, and I see like artists they don't want to do interviews. All right. You know, they don't feel good. They don't want to do photo shoots. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do promo tours like we're on be- because you know other things take a priority because of the alcoholic behavior in the head. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have their head screwed on straight, and and then, and like James said, they just. They blow it. Yeah. And then one day, you know, I call you up and I'm saying, hey, you guys want to like, do an interview with us? And you're like, not really, dude. You blew us off 18 right. times. <laughs> right. And that's what happens. Yeah, that's true. Do you feel like, um, what do you guys sort of do to like keep your head straight when you're not, obviously you're not drinking and that stuff? Is it, I know you guys are into golfing. Do you like meditate? Are you sort of, how do you sort of like yoga, anything like that? I think it's different f- for all of us. Um, you know, we all, like Nikki said, we all have projects. I'll be honest with you, these two guys are the two busiest human beings I've ever seen. You, looking at their calendars gives me vertigo, you know. Um, so I, I would imagine, and DJ, you can speak to this for yourself. For me, yeah, I golf and I, I try to mm-hmm. do stuff to stay healthy. And I love spending time in the studio. I produce a lot of bands. So there's He's kind of a foodie, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Nice. That's, that's a good road habit. Yeah, I was yeah. a foodie and I got fat. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is, it was Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't think that qualifies as a foodie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You were a trash foodie. Oh, trash, <laughs> trash foodie. Yeah. I've been there. You guys brought that up because I was. I'm, I'm pretty disgusting lately. So I was like, recently, I've been on a. Sort of a food downward spiral. You yeah. know when that happens and you start like. <laughs> yeah, and you wake and you up just, and go ah. Oh! Just you what can't. happened? Well, it's like grow because again, you you know you like. I looked at myself in the mirror the other morning and I was like, oh, dude, you know, like you have those where you're like, yeah, I had I that this be, morning. Jeez, I, like, know. I used to be in shape, and so anyway, I recently started uh, seeing this girl, and we for Valentine's Day we actually got Taco Bell for the fr- like. <laughs> we were like, she's like, what do you want? And I was like, what do you want to do? She's like. I really would love Taco Bell, and I was like, "You're amazing." So then we started talking <laughs> Taco about fast Bell food. sex is the best. <laughs> it, was like, it was incredible. It was like, it was really it was it was pretty amazing. Uh, but so milder spicy, though that's the thing. <laughs> the, the, so my question to you guys is like, what if you could just go off the deep end, like gross fat, like fast food? What would you guys oh. like? What's your what's you know what, what direction would you go? Oh man, I would probably snort a Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually. I've done, I had a habit of doing what I would do again, and that would be I'd buy a, a bag of Doritos, a stick of salami, probably a 12-pack of IPA <laughs> beer, and I literally will sit in bed and take a Dorito on the top, a Dorito on the bottom, and a little slice of salami, make a sandwich, <laughs> and just eat that shit until it's completely gone. That's so funny. And then I'll just be up all night with heartburn. Yeah. <laughs> What I like to do is get the uh, the family size bag of che- uh, Cheetos Crunchy, by the way, not the puffy ones. And then my wife is so disgusted. I'll I'll have my reading glasses on and the computer, and I'll put the Cheetos on my chest because it's too much work and it, and it's too loud to reach into the bag. So I put them on my chest, and then what happens? I fall asleep. Glasses are on. Mouth is open. Cheetos on chest. So I don't get laid. Right. I, and I'm trying to work on it. That's amazing. I was actually, I, I pulled one of those Cheeto moves once and then um, had to fly somewhere like, I don't know, South America or something. And uh, went on stage, was still wearing the same shirt. No and then, powder? T- yeah, orange t- powder? Oh, yeah. yeah t- she, like, awesome. I can't eat those. She goes, you're, oh. still, you're still in the same clothes you were in three nights ago. I can't. I have the worst, like, <laughs> memories of orange Cheetos because it was, it was when I was, like, uh, like, 16, I think, and I woke up. Uh, well, I, it was when I first got wasted, I think, really wasted. <laughs> and I woke up. 
puking in my sleep and I had orange shit oh. stuck. Oh, yeah. And ever since then, I cannot yeah. even look at them Ugh. to this day. Yeah. You know, a, they say that all people look at their shit. I heard that. Yeah, of course. You did, did you know that? It's your first product. It's your first product. James has a problem with What do you mean? Look at your shit. <laughs> do you look? Oh, uh, no, God. You no. have to look. Oh, I totally look. I want to make sure, I, you yeah, know, dude. something's you going on inside that I don't know about. Sure yeah, no, fall at Although, my age. Like, what if something fell out? I mean, like, oh, there's I, a liver. I, I, did well, I mainly look because I've been missing this ring and I've been, <laughs> I've been looking for it everywhere. I freaked out the other day. I, I, I went to the this fresh pressed juice place and got beet juice. Beet juice. And I swear to God, I about probably a week ago, yeah. I frantically Googled blood in your yeah. urine because I thought that I, I took a yeah. piss after drinking that and it was bright red. Yeah, really? wow. I've never seen anything like oh, it. Cool. That I'm going to do that just for I, fun. The first time I had a beet juice. Oh my God. And I took a dump and it was like that. And nice. I was I was, pos- you know, I was positive I was dying for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like, That's the best part about taking vitamins, talking about being healthy. It's like that yellow stream. Yeah. You're like, I'm healthy. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's like, no, it means you're taking too many vitamins. So yeah, we don't we, we don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. You know, there's something yeah. about what this. happened to this interview. It was so I'm great. Sorry. This, this is where we're supposed it to go. Oh, this is generally yeah. how you know, it works. We don't out. like you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens. I'm sorry. I mean, do you? Obviously, you guys are so busy. I mean, do you feel like? When, do you like have a sense of accomplishment doing stuff, or do you always sort of feel like, oh, I could have done more? I think, you know, honestly, I think you, you have to congratulate yourself. You know, I think you've got to have little successes. Every every creative project you do, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's important to, you know, to not beat yourself up you gotta too much. you got to smell the roses. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think I'm the worst at that. It's You're really pretty hard on yourself. I don't, I don't really enjoy... You know, I'm always like, how could I have done it better? And right. I'm always thinking about the next thing I want to achieve. And my sister always gets mad. She's like, you need to stop for a second and just realize you've done a couple cool things. And like, I, I do a thing, I, and I do a radio show, and I, and you know, you know how much time that takes and brain power and stuff. And I, I get home, and when I do have a day where I don't have to do anything else, I get home about five o'clock, and I take my dogs for like a mile walk. And talk about leveling the playing field. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're, like, Obama or, like, a crypt. Mm-hmm. You know, if what if you're, like, the m- most busy, like, CEO guy or, like, you just work, like, a day job, you just get home and you spend time with your dogs. And it's, like, I, it levels me That's out. It calms far. me down. <laughs> My wife always tells me, take the dogs for a walk. Because you come home and you're, like... You know, you're in that place where it's like just just going, 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 going. You need something to you know unplug. You know, it's probably good for. I mean, it's it's meditation, is what it is. It's a form yeah. of meditation, mm-hmm. and it like, is. it's probably good for your thought process too. I would imagine and for your creativity. Well, being yeah. married does that though. It's made me slow down and sure. kind of yeah. enjoy life. And my wife makes me take breaks and vacations i normally would never do right so that's kind of cool i guess when you guys are writing like a 6am song is do you guys like do you sit down and be like all right i'm gonna try to write a riff or are you just kind of like sitting around the couch usually like, oh. it always happens by mistake yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just, i mean sit in a circle and yeah. you know, someone has we, an idea we, we do have we do have to be disciplined about it because um up until now we've had you know Finding time for the three of us to be together and create has been difficult because of all of our schedules. So there is a, a level of discipline about it, but that's always that fine line that you walk when you're in the creative, you know, world. You you have to you have to be productive, um, but you can't feel so regimented that you feel like you're you know working on a schedule. So it's it's a fine balance, and I think typically speaking. You know, the first thing that we always do when we—it's first off—it's very important that when we create music, we are all together. We're mm-hmm. not these—we're not this band that sends files back and forth <laughs> right. and, and you know phones it in. Basically, that's very important to us because number one, I think at the core of this band, Six AM, is the friendship, and 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 that's always the most important thing. I always say that Six AM music is a byproduct of a great friendship that we've created in, over the last you know yeah. ten years now. Um, but you know, more specifically, the, the creative process for us typically will start from a, either a guitar idea that DJ had, or a piano idea, or something that I've had, or a lyric, or a title that Nikki had, and 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 you know, so we always will find our way to that creative zone. But usually, it's it's it comes from you know, like DJ said, something that wasn't necessarily intended to be the starting point, but it becomes the starting yeah. point. 
Gotcha. That makes sense. And yes is kind of the always the answer. You know, if someone starts something, it's like, hey, what's that? Oh, it's like I got an idea. Okay. Oh, I got another idea. Okay. And it just keeps yeah. going. And then it, if, if it's not good, it reveals itself. Right. Yeah, I always so found that when you're working with other people, it, you got to work on the idea until the the original person who came up with it was like, you know what? Yeah, that sucks. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> and we got, we very, do that all the time. Let them do yeah, it's it very magical. We, we all leave our egos outside right. the door and we all... Uh, pick up acoustics and notepads and it's you know there's no stupid idea you know um we try everything and i think that's half the magic of it so we've come up with such interesting stuff is because (laughs) if we were to just go by formula um we probably would you know shut ourselves down no there's no critics in our head well it sounds like you guys i mean you formed the band for the right reasons which is you're friends and you want to have fun yeah absolutely it's like you know that's that's the formula. You know yeah. it's not that big a deal. So Our formula result, is we probably, have no formula. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Every, when it doesn't matter, you know what I mean. It's like that's when it that's when it works. Yeah, yeah. you know, well, we have a lot of fun no in the studio and uh, just you know hanging out and and touring and being on stage. Being on stage is a is a luxury for us that we're now going to get to take advantage of because we've sort of been in a little bit of a ten year holding pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Have we got to tour that much? The last tour we did for the Modern Vintage tour, we got 19 shows. That's all we had time for, but inspired the making of those, these these two records. Just because, wow. like, the music that connected live, we were like, we need more of that. So you keep the, so the double album. Did you record it all and then? Yeah, recorded we recorded it all. You had both of them finished, and then you decided wh- how you yeah. were going to sequence it. And was, it was them. very intentional. You know, a lot of times when you hear bands doing double, re- I think over the last 25, 30 years, double albums have gotten a very bad reputation. And and quite honestly, <laughs> a lot of times that's it's a well deserved bad reputation. Yeah. A lot of times, a band will go into the studio, they'll come up with one album worth of good material, and they'll have a few extra songs, and they say, well, if we polish these up and add a few more, we'll have a double album. And then that's what it feels like. You know, you kind of by the end you. Just feel like you're getting the leftovers by the track scraps. 13 you're like okay i'm, yeah. I'm kind of done you never make it to the last track but we knew it was important to get a lot of new music to our fans but it, we also knew that it was important to have the quality be the utmost uh, you know important element to this and so we actually intentionally sat down and said we're going to need 28 songs and 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 we started to de- develop a story that could be spread out through through both albums right. So it was quite a process, and, and, and I think that one of the biggest challenges was to make sure that the quality stayed extremely high and, and, and lived up to our standards as 6 a.m. Um, so Yeah, we basically didn't set out so much to make a double album. We set out to make two individual albums that complemented each other, right. if that makes sense. I mean, no, it's cool. I mean, the thing I like about it is that... Um, if you get the first album and you like it, then you know you're gonna like the second. Yeah, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Another, and you get like, to know that record. Yeah, like instead of dumping 22 songs on you, we're busy. Exactly, life's busy. You know, like when do you get a chance to listen that many songs? And plus, there's other bands you're listening to and other stuff you're doing in your life. So, get to absorb these over a few months and pick your favorites or right. you know ones that connect with you. And um, then, like a little later down the road, we're going to give you another eleven right. or whatever. You know, another thing that uh, that's unique about about this double album is that uh dj actually designed the artwork uh the album Ooh, covers for both of part <laughs> and and just like the music that really once you once you hear both there there's going to be a whole other level of of messaging that reveals itself you know once you hear both albums but it's Backwards. the same thing it's the same thing with the artwork. exactly it's the same thing with the artwork um the the two album covers stand alone and tell a story in and of them in and of themselves but when you actually physically take the two album covers and put them together it completes a, a ah, picture nice. um, uh, so uh, you know i mean everything about this has it was very well thought out and pre-planned and and uh you know we couldn't be more proud of it yeah that's awesome i mean it seems like you guys have a really kind of old school approach i do feel like so many bands now do like co-writes with people they'll bring in all these like other songwriters i mean what do you guys sort of think about i guess like pop music or sort of how 6am kind of fits or sort of how things have changed i guess that's a good question i I think that the the, the pop pop music world is a very different world i actually do quite a bit of writing in the pop world and have had some hits in the pop world as well so i'm familiar with that type of co-writing experience um 
There's nothing wrong with it, but it's but it's it is the polar opposite of what we in six a.m. do. Um, it's on not, a clock, right? Yeah, it, it can be, yeah. um, and sometimes you'll end up with you know, and the Grammy goes to, and there's like twenty songwriters. You know, right. it can be that kind of thing, but but. The, the goal is still the same, no matter where you fall, what genre you fall in. The, the goal is to, to reach people and, and communicate with people on a level that matters to you and to them. So however you can get there, uh, I have no problem with it. If, if it takes 20 people to write a song, fine, as long as the song is honest, as long as the song is good, and as long as it means something and, and, and matters to people. Uh, for us, you know... As we said earlier, 6 a.m. is kind of, it's this place that we've created that the three of us can express ourselves and, and support each other and push each other. Um, so, And it's not to say that we haven't occasionally brought in some other writers to write with us, very, very occasionally, um, but it wasn't because we were trying to write a hit song. No, we were it, just like, we had a, a connection, jamming, yeah. whatever. You know, and it'll probably happen again in the future, but yeah, you yeah. know, right now, none of these songs were, it was just the three of us. Mm hmm. That's cool. I mean, did you experiment a lot with sounds? Because, like, Nikki, for example, I'd imagine, like, you have a bass tone pretty dialed in. What you've done, I mean, do you do you mess with that, or do you sort of... Well, we it? did experiment a lot with a, a, a pedal called the... Um, it's Ass called Master. the Ass Master. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> and exactly is that. That's what it does to your bass sound. Okay. Which was fantastic. Um, we started using it just kind of, like... I guess to maybe inspire a weird idea, you know, sometimes when bass is all distorted or something, it's just like creates a different ambience. Um, and then James like fell in love with it. I ended up losing my ass master to James. It's now at his studio. Well, you know, I mean, that, that, that actually speaks to a, a, a bigger picture here. Um, cause I, I produced and mixed the records. Um, and, and, it was very important on on th these new records, especially that the personalities of the three of us came through. I think that uh, you know sometimes that gets lost in the in the presentation and the production. Um, but there's three such strong personalities in this band. DJ is not only a phenomenal guitar player, but but he has a sound and a tone and a touch that is just that that. I've never heard before from anyone else, and and so it was really important to to, to showcase that and highlight that every every chance you got. And same thing with Nikki. Obviously, you know we know Nikki's reputation, we know his his style of playing, and he, yes, he does have a tone. And and I think that it was important to to bring that grind and that just that aggressive personality into these songs, um, because w when people are listening to this, I want them as they're hearing it. To be able to get a sense of, of the, uh, I want them to be able to see each of these musicians playing. That's what these albums sound like. We did something yeah. really interesting on this album that we hadn't done ever, and that was every rhythm track, we would actually uh, to the whammy pedal down. Oh yeah, an entire octave and replay. Yeah, it's pretty trippy. It was so, neat, you know. I mean, so so we did we have all these layers. Oh, yeah, that's a good, yeah, yeah. So we, instead of tuning the guitar down to where the strings are flubbing, it's right. like we played and you know our standard tuning, but then we just dropped it with the whammy and replayed it. So it has this really unique, cool, cool tone to yeah, it. Yeah. So there was a lot of of processes and methods that we created that I think that we will continue to do as we continue making records. I think that this this record in particular was was a real discovery for us where we finally kind of feel like we dialed in uh, the best way for each of us to express ourselves and me vocally too. I I, I oh, figured man. things out on the on the vocal chain that I had never done before. It's your best it's your best vocals to date. Absolutely. We always thought you. your vocals were you know beyond the standard hmm. and i just think james has been working so hard over the last few years like just really pushing himself and stretching himself and um he, the, you know you're always taking lessons i mean you can sing like james and you're taking lessons that's like that's so inspirational mm -hmm. and it actually got me going you know i'm gonna start taking bass lessons and i started taking bass lessons online so it's like yeah you know it's he was just like he got even more confidence and it came across live and not well, only is his vocals just always incredible but the production of this album is my favorite like it oh, just yeah. sound the qual the you know the way he's mixing uh 
you, the separation is just awesome. The separation is yeah. insane. Amazing. You put on headphones and it's like 3D. That's the trick. It is it's, a headphone awesome. album. I got to tell you, you can put the album on your speakers and crank it up and, and just be like, this is fantastic sounding. But if you take a second and put the headphones on, it's a different there's experience. a whole other yeah. experience happening there. Yeah. So well, I think that's the stuff you, are you I do. produce. You do. Yeah, I, I do. And I, I think that, that for all three of us, um, you know, I think the reason that our albums continue to sound uh, so uh, aggressive and so hungry, for lack of a better way to describe them, is because none of us are, are resting on our laurels. None of us are, have become complacent in this. You know, I think, like Nikki just said, you know, taking bass lessons. I mean, this is Nikki Six, you know, mm -hmm. iconic bass player. He's taking <coughs> bass lessons. You know, I think from a twenty-two-year-old. Right, there, there's, there's, but there's <laughs> something. Smack that. Kid. There's something. <laughs> there is something to yeah. that. You know. Um, we have not lost that hunger. I I have felt, you know, even though I love how all of our records have sounded up until now, uh, and I've mixed all of them, I have felt like, you know, so many times I've let my bandmates down because, bec you know, because I, I don't feel like I've quite captured what is so special and unique about them. Well, it's got to be feel hard like to ca hard, How can you capture us when we're always, it's a moving target as a producer? Well, I you, think that, you know? you know, I think it is, a, it is, that's, you know, that is a constant, constant challenge. Um, but I feel like on the, on this new record, um, I feel like we've gotten the closest that, that we ever too. have. Um, both perform performance-wise and production-wise. So, so what a perfect time and what a perfect album to introduce people to 6am music that haven't heard it and then they can go back and discover the old records but i think this is a great starting point and that's why i'm so excited that we're getting out this summer and we're playing a bunch of festivals to a lot of people who most likely have maybe heard the name 6am but may not be that familiar with our body of work um, so. we're excited about being underdogs yeah to be honest with you we're really into it you know we know what the top looks like we've all seen it um, you know, I've I've been there. Um, I've worked from the bottom up. It's so exciting. You know, we have we have a mission. Mm -hmm. We have a mission. We know how to get there, and it's about being patient and uh, you know having strategy, working hard, and great quality, you know, music and lots of music to the fans, and really spending our time on our craft and with our fans and doing interviews. And it sounds like well, is not what everybody does. Well, actually, they don't. Right, right. A lot of people don't. They That's don't true. put a hundred percent in all the time. Like our photo shoots, we like we really focus on what like we want and our messaging on our albums and our lyrics and um we we um we're really proud of the fact that we're so well, I guess we just we're so close, so mm -hmm. we continually push each other. It sounds to me like excuse me. Excuse me. You got an idea? <laughs> Well, no, go ahead. I, Wait, are we witnessing a fight right now? <laughs> we can talk about this later. <laughs> can we jump in on the fight? Please. Yeah, you always talk over me, man. <laughs> man, yeah, we leave. man, every time I go to say something, you say the same thing. That was my question, man. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm talking about. I can edit Jonah out. <laughs> That's true. He can edit. I don't, I don't know how. So, this is maybe a little bit of a non sequitur, but um, I was curious how you guys reacted to these sort of the attacks in Paris with like Eagles of Death Metal, like what happened to Dimebag? I mean, as musicians who play big shows like that, mm -hmm. I mean, is that in the back of your head? Like, how did you guys sort of cope with that, I guess? Well, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that um, because on, on this record, uh, the last song on this record, we have a song called Rise of the Melancholy Empire, which uh, is a song that... Uh, really wasn't intended to even be a song or be on this record. Uh, DJ and I were in the studio in Los Angeles and we were just messing around with some stuff that we probably were certain that wasn't going to be on the record, but there was this, this there was a feeling about it that seemed special and seemed unique and seemed like if the three of us wrapped our heads around it, it, it could actually turn into something important. So we sent it to Nikki, who was in Europe at the time. Why yeah. Nikki, why don't you take over because it, it's pretty relevant. Well, I was in the south of France and I was doing photography down there. Did a show in Monaco and left. We were supposed to have played in Paris the night we played in Monaco. So, went to Germany, walked off stage, had an email from James and DJ. Hey, check this out. And right when I went to click on the link, tour manager came in and goes did you hear what just happened in paris and, and obviously we didn't because we were on stage and uh it was 
everything that it was for everybody. Yeah, it was just, it was just harsh, and also in our world, we knew a lot of people. You know, the the, the bus company is the same bus company. The merch guy right. had just been out with us, and he was you know had been killed. There was some people from the French record label that I had just had a meeting with, so it was. It was everything, you know, personal and globally that was um, just kind of, I guess, just took the wind out of my sails personally. And and I went back to the hotel room and it was like three o'clock in the morning. I click on the link and I started hearing the song and I wrote the lyrics uh, to Rise of the Melancholy Empire um, and sent it back to James. James put down a vocal and the song kind of took on a life, and then this whole middle section grew out of it, and it just kept going and going and going. But it's very six a.m. like to be reflective of what's going on, whether it's drug addiction or bullying or dealing with your internal demons or you know external demons in this situation, and and trying to find um, trying to find hope in that. You know, really the, trying the to find hope in, in the lyric in the chorus is, uh, "We will grow strong from this. We will not be defeated." And, and and it was just so, it just resonated, you know, of course, obviously. Um, and uh, I think it ended up being probably one of the most important songs we've ever mm-hmm. written. And it ends the album. And the way that it ends, even when the song ends, there's something happening, is actually the beginning of the next record. So much like the art, ah. much like the th- there's a, you know, not a theme is in a concept album, but there's a 6 a.m. theme. If you like 6 a.m., you're going to like both records, lyrically, musically. Uh, and that is the beginning of the next record. Wow. Well, we talked yeah. about doing like an epic song, like a long song for this record, but uh, it wasn't until that song kind of started taking shape. Mm-hmm. It just naturally became that song that we all kind of wanted. We felt on towards it. the end. You yeah. said the other day uh, that we we had not written that song, and that song was not going to happen. We yeah. had just said we want to do a seven, eight minute yeah. long song. We've never had an opportunity to do that with a double record. We can stretch out, but it just there towards the end. We're like, eh, it's just, just not, not going to happen. happen. Maybe it'll happen record, on the next record. You know? And that. Uh, then it happened magically, which is cool. It is cool. It's intense. Yeah. <laughs> back, back, to, back to actually your songwriting. Uh, I was going to say, like, a lot of songs that you, you, what you were saying is, like, sometimes it just happens by mistake. Like, mm-hmm. you'll just be, someone will be noodling around on something. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those songs become huge songs. Like, they yeah. become some mm-hmm. years, why Life, life is, is Beautiful was beautiful. like that. Tell so, me, like, uh, how, how did that happen? Or what, how, yeah, like, like or, and in your other, and especially in your other bands, too. I feel like it happens to almost every band. Well, life is Beautiful happened the same way as Rise of the Melancholy, where, you know, just sitting, just basically talking in a room and me tinkering on a guitar without even really thinking about what I'm doing. And one of the guys was like, what are you playing? I was like, that oh, happens all the time. Know, what did yeah. you say? Yeah, yeah. Or right. what, what were you yeah. singing? Or what right. are you playing? Yeah. And, and it's because yes just, is the answer. You know, that, mm-hmm. that could be the spark of a great song, you yeah. know, so it's kind of neat. Nikki, have you had any thoughts about, obviously you've written a book. I mean, have you thought about writing a follow-up? Is writing something you do on your own just for Write, fun? Writing is something I do. I'm working on a few book ideas. Uh, none of them are... You know, autobiographies, I'm not really, that's not my thing right now. I think I've kind of, uh, you know, gone that way. And uh, I'm working on some other stuff. You know, creativity is about just moving forward and Mm -hmm. continuing stuff. So, yeah, it's something I'm excited about doing. I'm in in love with words. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. The best thing I can say about writing, um, I've been writing for a very long time since I was a, a little boy. I used to write uh, nursery rhymes and poems and short stories, and it's just my passion is just write. You know, whether you think you're good, whether you know you're good, just write and just write it down. And if you write every single day, I promise you, however you want to do that, if you want to write in a journal, a diary, uh, you know, a word set, whatever you want to do, just write words and you will start to find a, uh, a theme, you know, a bloodstream, so to speak, and you'll, you'll start to find something, whatever you want to do with it. It could be a blog post, it could be a book, you know, it could be a novel, it could be a uh, screenplay, but just keep doing it. 
Yeah, I think it's important too to like not ed- keep editing yourself. Just don't edit yourself. Out. Yeah, mm-hmm. my my thing is three pages a day. I don't stop from beginning to end. I don't stop. In fact, if I ever think I'm. Um, I want to stop. I actually write down, I want to stop. And then I say, why do I want to stop? And I'll begin an argument with myself. And then I find there was this beautiful moment of conflict in this writing. But I don't go back and read this stuff for a few months. So I'll get like this much, like a ton of words. And then um, I go back. Do you have plans for this writing? Do you want to like release it, a book? I don't have any. I don't know. I don't have any plans. I mean, it's a great. I'm not, I'm not that smart. <laughs> it is a. It is a good exercise. Obviously, it's an exercise. Do you guys read a lot on the road? I mean, I imagine you have so much time on planes and. I draw. You draw. Nikki yeah. reads an awful lot. Well, I'm into audiobooks now. Yeah, I've kind of started getting into that, too. Came with age. Um, My problem with audiobooks is, as as a producer, I I bought a couple of audiobooks, and the the mixer and producer in me, I I, I, I put it on, I I think it was like Bill Clinton's audiobook or something. I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to learn a lot. I listened for about 30 minutes and realized all I had been doing is trying to figure out what compression ratio had been used on his voice <laughs> and like what frequencies were you know were, were being yeah that's the dipped worst. And, yeah, it, it, it's rough it's rough I don't I, I yeah they're they're they read I I'm more of a drawler I yeah. like art so yeah I'm constantly doing graphic designs I ever since I was little I was drawing on just like he was you know writing words I was drawing on napkins and paper plates and so art's kind of always been my my love yeah. so if like I do an audiobook James I'll design can, the cover. James can mix it and <laughs> yeah. make sure the compression's right. He could do, yeah, do all the artwork. He do all the artwork. Keep it in the family. Yeah, the Which children. is basically what, what we did on this That's basically what we do in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. So do you do like do you do design your own merch and stuff too? I do. I have a clothing line, but I I have a media company in Vegas, and we do 3D environments for all like Cirque du Soleil and a bunch of stuff Holy like shit. that. So. Do you still practice cool. guitar? Like do you practice like because I feel like all that like shredding, sweet picking stuff. Like do you mm. have to kind of keep doing that to maintain it, or is it kind of just muscle memory? It's point? it's my. I mean, it's kind of like riding a bike. I don't sit around and sweep arpeggios <laughs> really, but if I have to do them, it's you know it's something you don't really forget. Yeah. I think, which is kind of mind blowing to me because. Uh, the degree of precision that he plays with is pretty staggering, and, and it is kind I of really amazing. Don't practice well, that's, that's like what, I should. That's I what amazes me. Uh, you know, but, there's um, a, another uh, a friend of ours, another great guitar player, John Five, um, who's technically just a brilliant guitar player. But this guy sits around all day long and plays and plays and plays. And then you have DJ, who really I'll doesn't. I'll go two months without touching yeah. the guitar because I'm busy working on other things. And but that's what's so exciting like, about it is just, just like I said, the, the degree of precision that he can play with without that normal routine of practicing is just mind-blowing to me i'd probably be okay pretty good if i actually try <laughs> <laughs> damn it <laughs> what about you nikki do you sit around practice or uh, you know it's a very it's a good question oh, we've been meaning to talk to him about this actually <laughs> yes actually the, you didn't send the intervention and it's being um yeah <laughs> so it was it was very frustrating for me uh being in a band that kind of played the same music a lot um so the only time i got to really get out there and stretch out was with with 6 a.m and then i'll go back on the road and you know the great songs having a great time but musically you're playing the same thing over and over and over year after year after year you kind of you get great at doing that but like when i'm what's my purpose of doing other stuff uh, except for for songwriting, and we kind of hit that zone where we weren't really writing a lot of new music. So, just recently, I got this acoustic bass because we're doing some acoustic performances, and I'm just like two hours a night, just like playing this bass all the time, and I'm like going, "Oh, this is great! Like a DJ could play this against this, or maybe this might inspire a vocal for James." And I'm just like re excited about the instrument, re excited about what the kind instrument. of bass is it? It's a Warwick. Oh, yeah. And a great acoustic bass. And my electric basses are Schecter's, and they're monstrous. Uh, But this is a whole different environment, and it sounds great, and it plays great, and it's inspiring me again. Do you guys play any other, like, have you, like, for example, uh, I play guitar, but Jonah actually got me playing banjo. So, like, he was like, one day, he's like, hey, you know, I. 
I've been tooling around with this banjo, and then I just went and picked it up and. And now Mike's way better than me. No, I'm terrible. So <laughs> it's hard. Banjos are extremely, but it's like a whole different, you know, wrapping your head around a whole different instrument. You know, do you guys have you branched out into any other? Well, it's a good time to tell you that we've decided to do a banjo album <laughs> and we want to bring you in well, can you do the soloing or the I'll rhythm do, I'm, I'm more of an old school claw hammer banjo player, a claw so hammer can, okay. I'll do like I'm yeah. doing like, bass like, banjo like meat hook bass joe <laughs> bass banjo yeah is there such a thing bass joe Th- no but I'll do I, <laughs> okay. I'll detune I could like detune no no that's my that's <clears> acoustic <throat> bass banjo acoustic bass banjo I like it so that's a new instrument that could be the next 6am record maybe we're gonna <laughs> grow beards and do man buns <laughs> can we wear suspenders <laughs> super tight pants to go all yeah. the way Dusty down hats. here with no socks <laughs> and uh, some kind of like a I don't know some kind of a Footwear, okay, never mind. That's a good name for the band. It could be, it could be like Beards of Man Buns. Yeah. Or you could do yeah, like right. a secret show where no one will know it's you. It'll just be Man Buns playing. Man you know? Buns. Hey, I was hoping for some more chicks, man. Yeah. Don't those guys just travel with girls? Where, I don't know where if were they? They still do. No, yeah. dude, they're like all they, married and I stuff. Know, but yeah. still, like, just for looks. Yeah, they do. I remember when I was 13, I had this fantasy, like all 13-year-old boys, that I was going to be a rock star and have giant piles of martial amps. But I was determined that when that happened, that I was going to hire an army of Amazon women, like hot, blonde like women, to be my roadies and guitar techs. No matter how good they were, they would be the ones that would carry all my shit. That's pretty awesome. Did you ever do that with the goops? <laughs> I carried my own gear. <laughs> but you are dressed like a woman when yes, you did it. did. Yeah, I've never... I've pretty much always carried my own gear. Mm. When we, we played House of Blues in Atlantic City once, and they had, like, loaders. Um, no, I cool. mean, we did get to the point where we had a small crew, and it was the... I gotta say, it's... We never moved, we never moved up to, like, a bus. Yeah. You know, we probably could have at one point, but we wanted to save money, but... Getting a crew, like not having to break down, it was like, it's like going from like, it's the changeover when you're in a band and it's going from like, it's almost as good as going from sleeping on floors to like getting hotel rooms yeah. every night. Yeah. Is going from like having to break your own gear down to like a crew, getting off stage and talking to the fans and fucking selling merch or whatever and not touching that shit. That's yeah. pretty epic. So... Yeah, but they weren't. They were. I've been in. They lots were slubby of, dudes. They I've, weren't hot on Amazon. I've been in lots of bands where we don't have roadies and people don't break down the equipment either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are called drummers. <laughs> <laughs> um, or lead singers. Yeah, all those guys. Anyway, fuck anyways, <laughs> we tried so hard to bring in some negativity into this fucking podcast. Know, those guys, guys weren't are, having they're it. They're pretty positive. <laughs> I brought up some really depressing shit. Um, but that's just where I'm at. Yeah. It's probably for the best for them. Tony, anything you have to say about uh, Nikki Six or Four? Yeah, how was it meeting Nikki for you? It was good. I mean, I'm not really one to get starstruck, but uh, this is definitely. You got a pick, right? Yes, of course. I made sure Tony got a picture. Oh, I thought you meant, did you get a guitar pick? I I was like, I didn't get one. (laughs) Does he play with his fingers or does he play with a pick? He He has has to play with a pick. Yeah. All right. There's no way he plays with his fingers. Hey, man. He was a real bass player. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, thanks to 6AM for coming by. Check out their album when it comes out in late April. Um, Maybe check out their first album first since like they yeah. keep talking about how they were, they kind of run together. Yeah. Check out yeah, check out their first album too, Brad. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were great dudes, man. They were really, really nice. Yeah. Really all nice. great great vibe. Very yeah. gracious. Yeah. No rock star posing there. Zero. No, none of it. Very down to earth. Um also down to earth is us. <laughs> so if you want to support us, go to going keep off us track. Down to earth. Keep us down to earth. Keep our egos in check. <laughs> Donate one dollar. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not inflate our egos at all. Uh, Goingofftrack.com, or you can just leave us a nice review on iTunes. We've been getting some nice reviews, some nice emails. Uh, keep that up. Also, I'm on, um, I was just did Damien from Fucked Up's podcast, Turned Out a Punk. If you want to hear me talk about Cleveland Hardcore for 90 minutes, which probably no one does <laughs> except me and Damien, but uh, that was really fun. So you can listen to that too. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Hey, I'm happy. Yeah, Tommy? I miss you guys. Yeah. I miss I miss being here, man. I miss you too, Mike. Yeah, I love it. Maybe we'll be seeing some more. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, we I can get to. a maybe we can get MTV to pick up our uh, reality TV show. Yeah, 
Yeah, the Off Track podcast show. Yeah, that'd be a very exciting show. And then Mike could come and star and film. And <laughs> I'll, yeah, I would. I'll pitch it. Be here, pitch it. Say, look, you know, I'll come along and. I actually think it would be a, this would be a great idea, especially this place would be a great idea for a show. It was talked about. Yeah, early on. it'd be well, funny because I feel like I would be in it a lot, but it'd, it'd be like. Jonah doesn't work here. <laughs> like whenever, we, whenever we have a band on, they're like, this place is so cool. Thanks for giving back. I'm like, yeah, you know, it's like, sort of like, I'm just a selfless guy. <laughs> like, in reality, I'm just, like, mooching off you guys. Like, So, yeah. thanks for having me, guys. Hey, thank thanks you. for being here. Of course. All right, we will be back with another podcast next week. Bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.